This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Great to have you along. Not a great day if you have a flight booked on Delta Airlines. Some departures have resumed, but hundreds of flights have been canceled after a computer outage in Atlanta, and that disrupted the travel plans of thousands of passengers around the world, including travelers here at Toronto's Pearson Airport and Montreal's Pierre Elliott Trudeau Airport. We'd like to hear from you about your nightmare travel stories. Everyone who's been flying for a couple of decades or more, many more, have uh, stories where you may have been held up out of your control overnight, left waiting days for a flight because of an interruption that was out of your control. So how did the airline handle the disruption? And were you properly compensated for your trouble or did the airline disappoint you? Stories are welcome, as always, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. First, though, back to the troubles at Delta. Dr. Jeremy Cooperstock is an engineering professor at McGill University and a consumer and passenger advocate. Dr. Cooperstock, you have an interesting combination of specialties. <laughs> okay, so I do. And how did that come about, just so everybody understands uh, that your actual profession is different from one of your passions? Yes, that's right. So I'm a professor of electrical and computer engineering with a focus on human-computer interaction. But uh, before I became a professor, I had a series of flights with United Airlines back in 1996 that led eventually to me starting up a website, untied.com, which has been heralded as one of the world's first Internet complaint sites. And we've since collected over 30,000 complaints from passengers against United Airlines. And for that reason, United took uh, to suing me in two courts to try to shut down my website. And in fact, you're still in court on and off, right? Uh, 20 years later. Four and a half years later, still still in court. It's been 20 years since you started the website. That's correct. Okay, so you have uh, you have a lot of experience in understanding how passengers can be inconvenienced. Uh, you would think that in this day and age of technology, a power outage wouldn't have knocked out computer service for an entire airline worldwide. What do you think went wrong? Well, you're completely correct that a, a power outage in one location, uh, unless you had a power outage around the world where every computer worldwide shut down, is simply no excuse for an airline the size of Delta to be claiming that this affected their computer systems. And the reality is probably something completely different from what Delta is indicating to us. It's more likely a result of their legacy computer systems that they keep investing millions of dollars into. But because these are complex systems, they have a tendency to not be completely foolproof. And under heavy load, which is certainly the case during summer travel, uh, uh, these systems are prone to some sort of failure that can be quite significant. 
And I should note that Delta is not the only airline that suffered this. We had Southwest Airlines just last month had a mm-hmm. similar issue that resulted in 2,300 cancellations. American Airlines in, in September 2015 and United Airlines before that in July 2015 canceled over 5,000 flights. Wow. Now, you would think that this would be the last thing that they would want to happen because it probably affects their reputation, at least for a little while, where people would avoid booking on Delta and book with other airlines just in case. But is this likely to happen with any airline or are some of the bigger, more reputable airlines, are are they more protected from this? So it's not a question of the size of the airline. Uh, it's really more a matter of what they've invested into their computer systems. If you take, for example, how NASA deals with safety-critical systems running their, their flight controls for a space shuttle, they would have multiple redundant systems for every piece of the operation that was critical. And, of course, this is expensive. It costs money to have a separate computer system to kick in when something goes wrong. And it's very likely that a large airline such as Delta or United or American would also have redundancy built in, but obviously not enough in the sense that when something wrong happened, the alternative backup systems did not properly take over and deal with the situation. Now, were any of the flights at risk in terms of safety that were already in the air, the Delta flights that were in the air when this computer glitch happened this morning? Uh, apparently not. Uh, from what uh, we learned through, through uh, various news reports, it seems that all flights that were already in the air continued operating, that the computer systems we're talking about here had nothing to do with flight controls. It was really more the management of uh, passenger bookings. So making sure that when somebody shows up at the airport to board their flight, that they, in fact, do have a confirmed ticket. And that was uh, really the, the sort of central issue at play here. And in such a situation, I think coming back to passenger rights, it's very important for passengers to know what they are legally entitled to under such circumstances. Yes, and you bring up a good point. Delta, in their most recent update, they said, first of all, they've canceled 300 flights and they have operated as of 10.30 this morning, 800 of their nearly 6,000 scheduled flights. That's certainly not a high percentage. While systems are improving and flights are resuming, delays and cancellations continue. And then they have a link to a travel waiver that's in effect. So customers need to book their travel by August 12th, so four days from now. And they would not see an increase in the price that is going to be waived. But still, though, you would be looking for some sort of compensation other than to get on a flight within four days. Absolutely. A travel waiver really is not uh, adequate in terms of uh, a response by an airline to a situation such as this. Uh, Unfortunately, this is a fairly typical response of the big airlines in trying to avoid having to compensate passengers for expenses that are incurred. Now, for those of us in Canada, if you have a confirmed reservation with Delta Airlines and the fact that they canceled your flight or delayed your flight on account of the the current incident, whatever the cause is, the Montreal Convention protects you if you're talking about an itinerary that includes an international segment. And specifically, Article 19 of the Montreal Convention holds that the airline is responsible for compensating passengers for reasonable expenses that they incurred 
and that includes meals and transportation, accommodation and so forth, as well as possibly the cost of a flight on another airline if Delta is unable to transport that passenger within a reasonable amount of time. So if you quoted what you just <laughs> what you just said and what you just outlined there to a Delta person, would that this would be something that they would be familiar with and they would understand and and so the wheels would be in motion to compensate you properly. Well, that's the hope. Now, Delta, I know uh, on my own website, has a record that is dramatically superior to United Airlines in terms of its customer service. They only had one quarter the number of passenger complaints over the last four to five years as United did. So they're, they're in theory, a much better airline when it comes to responding to their passengers. However, Quoting Article 19 of the Montreal Convention to a Delta Airlines customer service rep does not in any way guarantee that they're going to turn around and say, oh, you lost wages because of uh, our delay? Oh, well, we'll compensate you for it. Right. I think that's a little bit much to expect. And in reality, passengers who are bringing complaints regarding uh, inconvenience and out-of-pocket expenses incurred as a result of Delta's failure should be prepared to escalate it to a small claims action if necessary. Otherwise, just take what they offer, or can you? Do you think that you can take it a little bit further, just on your own? Do you have to get a, a legal representative involved? So, uh, going for legal representation tends to outweigh the benefits yeah. of actually going for a small claims action, unless you're talking about something that is really in the order of ten thousand uh, dollars of damages. And for most passengers, that's not going to be the case. Certainly. You should not feel bound to accept the first thing that an airline offers you when you have a legal right to more compensation than that. And the question the passengers have to ask themselves is, to what extent is it worth their trouble to be escalating and fighting it? I'm, I often uh, will generally advise passengers to, to fight as much as possible when it's a matter of principle, but that often can mean that you spend more time than it's worth, let's say, recouping the two nights of hotel reservation or your hotel expenses to cover you when you're stranded at, uh, at an international airport. 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Your stories about being caught up in a disruption with an airline, uh, whether it had something to do with their computer systems or they were overbooked and you ended up having to pay out of pocket, or maybe you have a positive story about an airline that you'd like to share. I'm certain there have to be those out there as well. 416 360 your travel stories, good and bad, one 740 We're speaking with travel passenger advocate, and certainly Dr. Jeremy Cooperstock at McGill University has had quite a background, 20 years of dealing with uh, expertise and how to get back what you've lost because of an inconvenience caused by an airline. Can you tell us your story that began 20 years ago with United? What happened? Sure. Well, my story was was quite trivial. I had the run of the mill uh, United experience uh, and uh, involved uh, some flight bungling on the airline's part and miscommunication and damage to a suit. But these were really trivial matters. What irked me was when I wrote a letter of complaint to the airline, simply expecting them to acknowledge that they had made some mistakes. And I wasn't asking for any compensation, but they took 
several months, I think it was upwards of about four months or five months, before they replied to me. And they replied with a form letter that it showed that the person who read my complaint hadn't even bothered taking a look at what I was writing. And I was, I was really indignant. Here I spent an hour of my time pointing out their failures, and they couldn't even be bothered to read that letter. So I put my letter on the web on a web page at the University of Toronto, where I was then a graduate student. And uh, after finding that my web page was coming up as the first search result when somebody did the equivalent of Googling United Airlines, uh, and I told United Airlines about this, they uh, threatened me with legal action and subsequently threatened the University of Toronto with legal action. And that's what led to me starting my own website, Untied.com, where I provide advice to passengers in situations such as those that the Delta passengers are currently facing and give them a step-by-step guide for how to proceed in exercising their legal rights. And uh, Dr. Gabor Lukash, a colleague of mine in this regard, uh, very instrumental in, in helping put that together with me. Yes, I, I was reading about how you were commenting on his situation with a different travel company and, and how his response was at New Leaf Travel. That's right. So New Leaf and United Airlines uh, have one thing in common. They're very different in size, but they both do not like criticism. And their response to criticism is to try to sue and threaten and intimidate the critic. And I think this sort of behavior by airlines, large or small, rather than accepting criticism as something that is beneficial to society and beneficial to serving the travel public, uh, in taking these sorts of hostile reactions and, uh, and threatening and, uh, and intimidating is something that should be roundly condemned by the flying public. Let's talk about recourse today for the Delta passengers. So say they've been held up in Toronto and Montreal, and you've pointed out to us that there is legal recourse in Canada as a result of a flight that is international. So say you're held up here in Toronto for one night, uh, so you've had to pay for your accommodations, you've had to pay for extra restaurant meals, and then you've, say, lost a day's wages or you've had to take an extra vacation day. How do you go about, like, what is the step-by-step process? I mean, ultimately, you want to get where you're going first. Exactly. And before answering the step-by-step process, it's important to note that the, the Montreal Convention, and when we're talking about Article 19, this applies to any passenger on an international itinerary. That means the flight that was delayed doesn't have to be the one that crosses the border. It just means that they have to hold an itinerary of which one of the legs involves a crossing between Canada and the United States. Okay. So for any of those passengers, all of those items you mentioned are legitimate expenses, legitimate out-of-pocket damages that they incurred that they have a legal right to claim under the Montreal Convention. Okay. And now, the way they should go about exercising that is to send a polite letter to the airline. It really should be in written form. Don't try to do this over the telephone. And they should itemize what each of the costs were. They should provide copies of the receipts. Always keep the original because you never know when you're going to need that later, for example, in court. Send a copy of the receipt. Send a little spreadsheet that itemizes the total amount claimed and, and how, how the passenger arrived at the cost they incurred. And... Uh, quote Article 19 of the Montreal Convention and note that the airline is responsible for any such damages unless it can prove that the airline took all steps possible and uh, to avoid 
the, uh, the, the damage that the passenger suffered. And all steps uh, possible would mean, in this case, having the necessary backup computer systems that were ready to respond to a computer outage, because it is certainly expected that in this day and age, computers will fail on occasion and software will exhibit bugs on occasion. So the fact that they did not have the ability to, uh, to fix the problem immediately should be seen as the airline not being prepared to, uh, to have done its utmost and to have done, taken all necessary and reasonable steps to avoid the situation. Right. Now, we want to uh, just switch gears here a little bit when we come back after the break, Doctor. I want to talk to you about how to deal, how to best get what you want out of a customer service representative on the phone. We've all had to try and call companies where we feel as if we've been overbilled or we haven't been billed properly. How best to get what you want so that, and that sometimes can be difficult too if you're dealing with a difficult customer service representative. Can we keep you on the line a bit longer to talk about that? Certainly. Okay, very good. And your calls as well, your stories, good stories and bad stories, whether it be travel, whether it be a cable company, maybe you've gotten what you've wanted when you've called as a result of a certain diplomacy that you've tried to implement when you've been talking to these people, these customer service reps. Your calls, 416-360-0740, You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're talking about the nightmare that was and continues to be today for thousands of Delta Airlines passengers around the world. Big computer glitch this morning, 300 canceled flights, thousands of delays here in Toronto, Montreal's Pierre Elliott Trudeau Airport, as well as airports globally. And we're speaking with a passenger advocate and expert on on consumer and passenger advocacy, engineering professor at McGill University, Dr. Jeremy Cooperstock. How to complain to customer service without being ignored. Can you can you give us the Coles Notes version of that, Doctor? Well, the first thing is you've got to know what kind of a company you're dealing with. If it's a small little corner store type of uh, service that uh, has a 20 or 30 employees, then certainly calling them by phone and speaking to whoever deals with the customer service side of it is likely uh, to be a reasonable route to go. Uh, but when you're talking about a large company like a Delta Airlines, the customer service group has uh, probably dozens, if not more, very low-skilled employees who are trained to read from a rule book and mm-hmm. basically follow uh, a recipe of how to respond to customers who call in to complain. And that really means... Uh, taking every step possible to avoid uh, dealing with the customer's complaint in a manner that involves giving them compensation to which they're they're, uh, owed. And in that case, uh, the telephone route is not going to be successful. Your passengers or or customers dealing with a large company are usually going to be far better off in these cases uh, taking their complaint by letter, uh, whether it's email or or, uh, uh, mail and sending it to the corporate legal counsel who are responsible for the, the legal aspect 
context of the company's responsibilities, because these are the people who ultimately have the authority to make decisions and can can weigh in a little bit more seriously when there's a, a significant complaint. Now, there are industries where that doesn't apply. For example, dealing with your cell provider or your cable provider, they're big on retention. And when you call one of uh, those companies with a complaint, they'll often hand you over to the retention group on the phone who will make efforts to try to make the customer happy. So really knowing what kind of a company you're dealing with, whether it's one that bends over backwards to try to keep customers or whether it's one that doesn't really care influences very much the strategy the individual should take. Okay, let's get to our fight back. Callers, Gord and Mississauga, go ahead. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. What would you like to add to the conversation? Um, thank you. Um, I had a situation with Air Canada on a flight from Toronto to New Zealand. The flight was four and a half hours late leaving Toronto, and we missed our connection, so we had to stay overnight. Mm-hmm. Air Canada put us up at a very nice hotel at the airport, and uh, then they give us $22 per person to cover a dinner, a breakfast, or a brunch, which we thought was ludicrous. Mm -hmm. I did write Air Canada upon our return. It was a polite letter. I I think I laid out the facts. And they acknowledged it within a month and uh, offered to uh, make a reduction on a future flight within a year of 20% off of a full fare ticket. So it wasn't applicable to any specials or whatever. But even so, you know, 20% off a, off a ticket at least was a gesture of goodwill. Right, so you were happy with that resolution. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you, had to, you would have had to pay more than the $22 per person for your meals, but ha- did you take advantage of that 20% discount? Not yet, but um, we probably will. Oh, very good. What do you think about that, Dr. Cooperstock? Is that uh, good compensation for what those passengers went through? Well, that sort of compensation is a fairly typical offering that airlines will make, uh, whether it be Air Canada or airlines south of the border. Uh, they'll give the passenger travel vouchers to be used as a discount off of future travel with them. And this can be a win-win mm-hmm. in the sense that passengers who are intending to fly again in the near future and for whom the travel voucher actually doesn't restrict them in terms of the class of service or the type of fare they have to purchase uh, can result in a nice savings for them. And from the airline's perspective, it means guaranteed repeat business. So in some cases, that's good. But in a lot of times, such as in the case of your your, uh, caller right now, uh, it apparently applies only to a full fare ticket. And if that passenger has available to him a lower fare ticket that would actually cost a fair bit less, he's not going to benefit from the offer the airline has made. So what you want to say to them in that situation is 20% off any flight within the next year. That's Only what th- if you're intending to travel with that airline in right. the next year. Otherwise, you should ask, and that passenger should really demand, that his meals be uh, compensated yes. for for whatever he had to pay out of pocket. Okay. Jack in Toronto, you're on Fight Back. Jane for Libby, go ahead. Hi. Uh, I'd like to ask the professor to address the question that most of the airlines uh, call force majeure. Will this apply to Delta and they get off the hook? or do they still have to compensate? Does that make sense to you, that question, Doctor? Yes, yes. 
force majeure is something that's built into almost all airlines' tariffs or their contract of carriage, and that uh, you'll find it outside of the airline industry as well, basically saying that an act of God, something beyond their control, excludes them from any liability for uh, making uh, compensation to passengers. And that's certainly applicable when there's a clear case of uh, a weather result, if there's an earthquake or a volcanic eruption or a major storm system that that, uh, wreaks havoc in a certain geographic region. That is not, however, the situation here with a computer problem or a power outage. These are situations that are certainly preventable and within the airline's ability to prepare for uh, by having redundant power systems, by having their computer operations on the cloud, and having redundant data centers that kick in, which they probably do. And uh, if the airline were to say this is a force majeure situation, we're not responsible, I would tell the passenger to dispute that and to say, prove it in court. Before we let you go, uh, Professor, I'm curious, for those who are ready to book passage uh, by air and are heeding this Delta Airlines situation of today, do you have any recommendations for flight travel booking uh, in the future? Does Are there some airlines which you know for sure have a better system than others, or is it just a come come as may be, depending on who you decide to book with on that day? Well, if you're concerned with the stability of their computer system, I have not uh, been invited in by any of the airlines to conduct audits of their uh, of their uh, reliability and robustness. So I certainly cannot speak to that. I think the telling thing for passengers is to look at the complaint statistics compiled by the U.S. Department of Transportation on their air travel consumer report and see for themselves which airlines have abysmal records in terms of responding to customers and and uh, generating those complaints in the first time, first place. All right. Those airlines that fail miserably should be avoided. Thank you for your advice today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It was our pleasure as well. Dr. Jeremy Cooperstock at McGill University. You're listening to Fight Back with Libby Snymer. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.